a song when something special comes along. It's a long-winded directionless discussion for conversationalists. You bring the wit. You bring the brains and we'll talk it over between takes. Welcome back to Between Takes with Opal Entertainment. I'm Aiden Driscoll. And I'm Olivia O'Neill. And today we're talking about the origin stories of many and various colloquialisms and intellectual empathy. What it be and what it do. We'll transition into C.S. Lewis and talk about love and reason. And there's a surprising amount of TikTok this episode. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode of... Between Takes! <coughs> hey folks, we're, we're both a little bit, a little bit under the weather. Um, so if you hear the weather and we're a little bit muffled uh, neath the weather... It's on account of us being a little bit under the weather. Is there a time you're over the weather? You ever think about phrases when they, where, they, where they start? Uh, no, I don't. But Like, if it's like, hey, man, how you feeling? Man, 100%. I'm over the weather. Is it like that? It's like over the moon? <laughs> if you're over the moon, you're over the weather? You're like above the clouds? Maybe. Maybe that's it. And then you're under the weather like you're in the clouds. Is that it? I don't know. But then you also like, oh, head in the clouds. It's like, oh, dreamy and, and all that. Or beating around the bush. What does that mean? Is that a time where it's like, you got to go beat up that bush. And you're like, okay, I will in just a second. But you keep beating around it. Or is it like, you're like if people are like running around the bush, but the bush inside is like where they want to be. And they're running around it. Beating around it. Oh. Uh, wait, wait. So it's like a, <laughs> like a Keystone Cop type thing where like there's someone hiding in the bush, but the cops are just running around the bush thinking that they're chasing him or something? Maybe. Or it's like the thing that's in the between you, so that people like stay at the distance and they don't come together to talk about something, so they're beating around it. But they're like on opposite sides. Yeah. Oh sure. Okay. I can kind of or see that. the bush is making um, the met- is a metaphor of like the thing that you're trying to overcome, but you're beating around it, like you're avoiding it. Ah, uh, sure. But yeah, it's a tricky one. Yeah. What was the other one I was thinking just the other day? Hogwash. Yeah. In in Charlotte's Web, Wilbur had to have like a butter wash or something. They like bathed him in butter or something like that to get him ready for the show. You're such a Charlotte's Web stan. I feel well, like every I, I did play her in. Really? Play. <laughs> that's news. You got to bring that well, into I'm every just conversation. Saying, that's why. Here's Liv's, here's that's Liv's only claim to fame in all her life. I was in Charlotte's Web. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I, you no, just I asked did. me why I know the book. Yeah, because I, I read it a bunch. You, how many times did you read it? Did you read it in prep? Did you read it in, like to get in character for for the play? No, I was seven. <laughs> right, I just enjoyed reading and like the, uh, the book. Did you ever read uh, Stuart Little? Mm-hmm. I feel like we probably talked about this on the podcast before. It's the same author. Well, I've definitely seen the movie. <sighs> we like the movie. We had it on a VG- VHS. VGS. I remember the cover. We, uh, I was just talking to one of my coworkers the other day about how cassette tapes are coming back. And he was like, cause he grew up, he was born in the seventies and he grew up like when, and like remembers when cassettes came out mm-hmm. and he was like the sound quality, <coughs> that's just a little sample of what's coming up next folks. Um, 
he was talking about how like the sound quality isn't any better than vinyl and it's definitely not better than like digital or anything. So he was like, they were just invented basically like before the Walkman, like to be like a portable, a more portable version to take your music around rather than like have to carry a vinyl around. And so he's like, it's weird. It's interesting that those are coming back, that those are like now the nostalgic kind of like how vinyls have come back. But the difference I think is like the people that are doing, like everyone wants to do vinyl basically, right? Whereas, like, the people that are doing cassettes are the people who, like, the millennial kids who, like, want to remember, like, oh, they remember when the cassettes were, like, the normal way of listening to music back mm-hmm. in the day. And they want to bring that back. <coughs> Excuse me if you don't mind. If it's not too much trouble, I apologize. Um, well, it's interesting how advanced in our technology we're getting. We almost are bored with, like, oh, we can do everything so easily. We might as right, well right. get a, um, those, what are they called? Polaroid camera. Right, and yeah. <laughs> Let's um, let's get a phonograph and do the real old fashioned way and of listening. cassette and yeah. like have to buy a cassette player and mm-hmm. whatever. So. Well, then I was thinking because we had some DVDs when I was a kid, but because um, we didn't have a VHS player, we just got DVDs. Mm-hmm. And then we found a VHS player at like Goodwill or Savers or something for like ten bucks or something. And the VHS tapes at these thrift stores were a lot cheaper than the DVDs mm-hmm. at these thrift stores. And we also had a bunch of old VHS um, tapes from like when the older kids were younger. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just remember every time we went to like Savers, we'd get like four or five different new movies on VHS. Um, and that's how we watched them for a while. But then I got, because then people are to also like have their collections of like Blu-rays or have their collections of DVDs or whatever. And that's like kind of a core CDs or whatever. And I get like, if you went to the concert and you like bought the CD there or like this is before streaming and stuff and you have a big collection from your teenage years mm-hmm. back in the 90s or early 2000s or whatever, that's cool. But at this point, it's like I don't see why I would buy a CD, really. Yeah. Unless it's just to like support the band. But or I want, like yeah. But I wonder, some people I think just having like that physical copy yeah. is like, because they don't like trust the, you know. Don't trust if you the buy cloud. all these movies on yeah. Amazon, like digital, you know, or whatever, sure, and then yeah. it like goes down. Like, I don't know. Maybe sure, people think yeah. about that sometimes, I think. But yeah, for the most part, I think our generation anyway doesn't hardly do that. Really unless it's like that. artsy decision. Yeah. Speaking of things we don't think about very much, welcome to the thought that I have, the things I don't think about very much. I don't think about the things that I fear. Hmm. If, you know, the common question, like, what's your greatest fear? I don't, I don't know how common it is. Maybe I should backtrack. I don't think it's a super common question. Sure, but no, yeah. I've I don't think it's, it. like it's like an icebreaker first date type thing. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't think about that. And I just like, I wonder if I should think more about what I fear or if that's a good thing that I don't spend any time thinking about what I fear. Because I honestly, like, I can put my, my finger on certain things that I could be like, oh yeah, that would... Fear's not even the right word for, for a, lot, a lot of the ones that come to mind. Anyway, that's that thought. Do you... Um... Like, when as someone else shares something that they're afraid of, do you ever put yourself in their shoes, or are you able to, like, distance yourself? You mean, do I have compassion on them, or am I aloof and <laughs> apathetic? <laughs> yeah. Is that what you mean? Kind of, I guess. I don't know. Sometimes I think, <coughs> I'm like, Excuse oh, me. you know, I try to think about, I've thought about my fears, and I feel like that maybe is a little more common for me to that I do. Sometimes when other people share a thought or a fear or things, I think I put myself in those shoes so that I feel what that would be like. So I actually don't, sometimes it's like hard to know what do I actually mm. fear because I've been able to be like, what's the word? I don't know, empathetic, I guess, with so other like feelings or yeah. whatever. But it's, I think it can be, I count that as a strength of mine, I guess, mm-hmm. to be able to like see what perspectives and things other mm-hmm. people are coming from. But that can also cause to like feeling 
like you don't know what you feel yourself. or you don't know like was this like an inception thing or was this just planted in my head when this person told me about that or is this a genuine yeah thing and that obviously that's sure. kind of how we're built like we're built yeah. by the people around and i think that's true and i think there's also a lot of pressure on like finding yourself these days sure. like that's yeah. kind of a common thing so i don't and i don't but at the same time, you also want to have an identity of your own and know what you yeah. believe and know what you think. And sometimes I think I spend a lot of time focusing on the other people that I don't actually know what my own feelings or thoughts yeah. about certain things are. And obviously, gotten better over the years. Maybe that was more of a struggle a couple of years ago. Um, honestly, since moving here, it's been able to be different because you feel. I feel like we felt things so strongly. Like we actually mm-hmm. mi- we miss home a lot. We. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really hard. This is hard to find it. Like you feel these emotions and these things yeah. and these fears. Um, yeah. Do you, would you say you have like an intellectual empathetic-ality? Ism? Ism? <laughs> the Ism? Yeah. <laughs> like if, if someone's explaining uh, like an ideology or a thought process that you don't relate to, like, is it hard for you to relate to that to try and if someone is like, Hey, here's my conclusion on this. Do you feel like you're able to put yourself in their shoes and walk through their thought process and understand it that way? Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Is there a Sometimes difference? No, but um, I'm trying to think of a, what other. Like if someone just says, I feel this way, do you have to like say, okay, walk me through your journey of why you feel this way to feel it? Or do you, can they just say, I feel this way and you can like oh, read no, that? Oh, no, I can pretty much. So if I just said, I reached the conclusion that colors are not actually what we think they are. And that's I not a you, feeling, that's a thought. Is that, I know, so that's, that's what I'm oh, saying. Okay. Intellectually, do you think you have the same type of intellectual empathetic-ility-ism or whatever? <laughs> Maybe if they walked me through for that, okay, if they walked sure. me through the process, I'd be like, okay, I can kind of see where you... But sure. I think mine is more just like emotional or yeah. something. Interesting. I mean, it could still be a conclusion that they reached, but right. I, I can feel it's more about, yeah, like feeling the mood of the room or feeling sure, yeah. people are. Mm-hmm. Do you think anyone can have a purely um, intellectual conclusion or do you think everything is swayed by like the feelings or opinions that they have, like an unbiased? In- um, I think it is possible. I don't think it is at all common. I think we, I think we were created to have both love and reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't agree that you should do anything that right. way, actually. But I just and I think it's different for different people. I was talking to someone just the other day, and I was like, I find myself. I'm I'm much. I'm very intellectually inclined. I very much like theological debates and, um, and things like that, mm-hmm. to the point where I can neglect actually just like praying. Actually, just. Uh, kind of pursuing the the not the intellectual side of my faith, but like the spiritual side and all sure. that. And uh, we were just talking about that. And you know, I think it's like, well, yeah, for some people it might be, yeah, you're really dedicated to this prayer, this devotion. That's great. But it would, I think, maybe be good if you learned a little bit deeper about the kind of the the history or the intellectual side of what you believe or whatever. Um, I think I'm kind of the opposite extreme of I want to learn how to actually better exist in God's presence and all that rather than just, because there are times where I'm having theological debates and I just leave God completely out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like God himself. I mean, I have talking about the idea and the concept of God. um, And so anyway, we were just talking about me and this friend and he was kind of like, you know, for me specifically, err on the side of just like, if I'm unsure, if I start to notice like, oh, something's unbalanced, just like sit in silence for a little bit and just like let that be um but yeah i think that's something where it's like because it's not just 
there's theology and there's spiritualism and there's a hard black and white line down the middle. Mm-hmm. I think they overlap with each other, or they should, you know, they shouldn't form each other. Yeah. And I think similar with, like, I think it's kind of the same thing of, like, love and reason, right? Of you can think things through hypothetically, intellectually in your own head, but you also just have gut reactions to everything that you yeah. hear, right? And mm-hmm. so part of life is learning to train your gut reactions to properly inform you and not just react impulsively in the moment. I don't know. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, having a reaction and then reacting is different. So I think, I don't sure, think you yeah. need to train how you react. Like, I think it's probably healthier to just let your body react how they're going to react. Right, Whether it's yeah. out of sadness, anger, happiness. Like, and then it's just up to you on the action that you take with that. But I think it's actually better to feel things fully and not be like, okay, you can't, be, you can't feel that way. Right. But, you right. know, or whatever. Cause I think, um, when I, I feel like when I read things about, um, Jesus, like in the Bible, I think Jesus is very, one of the things that strikes me recently is just very present in the moment type yeah. things. I mean, it's just, and maybe every, maybe it's just the way it's written and they're, you know, saving mm-hmm. words and stuff, but it just feels like he's there and that's mm, yeah. what he's there in right then. And he did have reactions of anger and yeah. like other things. So, and immense love and bring right. to tears and things like that. So it's just, yeah. I think we have, we put it on ourselves that we need to be strong or be certain ways and um, things like that. But I think it's probably healthier and better to, to just let yourself react how you need how you react sure or feel the things how you feel (coughs) i do think (coughs) sorry that's okay i do think there are wrong responses to i think what i yeah what i was saying a minute ago about like training like learning how to properly discern your gut reactions i was speaking more in terms of like oh i should wash the dishes my gut instinct is to just stay in bed and not do the dishes and it's like, well, sometimes you're, you should overcome those and, and mm-hmm. recognize like there's a higher good than what I might be feeling instinctively in this specific moment, right? I was, uh, yeah, I'm not saying like, yeah, shut down your, your reaction to everything. I think like let things yeah. happen as they happen, exactly what you're saying. But yeah, I think I was thinking more in terms of like if, because we're not, we shouldn't just be purely reactionary though either. And I'm not saying you're saying that at all, no. but um because I think if we are, then we're, I, I think that could be a very passive life that you're living is just as merely reacting to things, right? As opposed to like being active in your life and, and pursuing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm just talking more about the emotions side of it. Sure, yeah. And it might be in, inside you have emotional reaction. I don't know. I'm not saying like every minute needs to be like an intense. Right, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I guess it... Letting yourself feel the things right. and the emotions is just a good... I just think it's like a healthy thing because it does create how you... It, it, I think if you put up those blocks, it's giving you a less clear vision of your outlook on what right. life is. That's all. I but I totally agree. Like The action and how you mm-hmm. go about things is really important. Here's something I found kind of interesting. This isn't about this particularly. This is just like how you and I discuss things sometimes is one of us will make a statement and the other not trying to disagree, but just trying to be like, oh yeah, but also have you thought about this other perspective? Mm-hmm. And we, we were like, we, we were like on this giant cliff and I go over to one side <laughs> and you go over to the other and then we slowly inch towards the I middle know. and try and find a balance 
within it. I know. Sometimes I listen back to these when we're editing and you're whatever. And mm-hmm. I'm like, we're talking about the same <laughs> thing. But I just... We just run to opposite and sides and plant our flag. We just either use our different... We're not even... It's just the things that interest us most about right. the conversation. We're talking about like pretty broad topics. And then so I go, this is us, interesting right. to me. This You'll is what I'm talking about. And Aiden's side, like, this I'll is, hone into another specific... Yeah, but sure. it's the same topic. It's the same right. thing. And for right. the most part, agreeing. But maybe just pointing out like <coughs> more specifics of a certain thing. Sure. I heard... I was talking to some friends a little while back. I feel like I might have mentioned this. On one of the last episodes. I'll say it again, though. We were talking about just, like, how unproductive talking can be these days. Just how... Uh, not not how it can be. I mean, I, you know, how a lot of talking these days that we see seems very unproductive. Seems like we're not actually... Like, it's not like people are actually hearing each other out and wanting to understand um, something they don't. And we're, we kind of were talking about, like, it's like we, you know... Um, God creates out of nothing these very complex things, these, you know, infinitely mysterious realities, right, mm-hmm. of our universe and of our existence. And then from that, he, w- w- with us, tries to simplify it and tries to make it so that we can comprehend it, so that we can actually know how to use it and how to function properly within it and all that. And we were like, it's kind of like when like, you build a car. It's like you're drawing these raw materials out of somewhere. And then you create these really complex like combustion engines and whatnot within the car, and then you simplify it again to just be press this one lever and that'll make the car go, press this other lever and that will slow it down, turn this little steer. The frustrating thing is that some people, we're talking about the car, right? In, or yeah. you know, in Christianity, we're talking about salvation. Mm-hmm. And some of us are talking about the raw materials and some of us are talking about the combustion engine and some of us are talking about the steering column. And it's like we're all, or, you know, or in the context of salvation, some of us yeah. are talking about baptism, some of us are talking about the, you know, cooperating with grace, some of us are talking about eternity in heaven, and we're all using an umbrella term of salvation for all of it. Probably so it's because like, one of those things is really pressing in their life right exactly, now. Exactly, yeah. And this person is really, and it's hard when you experience something, especially mm-hmm. in Christianity, I think this is the hardest part, is like you experience something and you're like, I want everyone to yeah. feel and think yeah. this way, but it's like, they might not be, they're not, they didn't get that revealed to them yet, or... That's just not yeah. where they're at in life. I think we, you and I have had those things before too where you've like shared this is right. – and I, maybe I react in like, oh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. really cool. But I don't yeah. quite understand because yeah. I wasn't – that's not the connection I have mm-hmm. with God in the same way. Mm-hmm. And that's like it can be really lonely too. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it's so cool. It means that it's real. Mm. Like you're experiencing something – solely between you and God. It's your relationship Mm -hmm. and no one else can have that same thing. Sure. Yeah. And you want to share. And I think it's good to like try and share that with people. I mean, I think that's like C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and stuff. I feel Mm. like when they talked in their rooms and things. Yeah. Well, okay. C.S. Lewis, I think is back to like the love and reason, a great example of that. Mm, Yeah. He's one of the, of like writing about the most that I can read. That's like very intellectual, very sometimes over the head, over your head. Mm but I'm emotionally attached to it mm, because yeah. he shares it from a viewpoint that is not like, and not saying this is bad, but it's not, I just don't engage the same way. Right. It doesn't feel like it's going to be used in my real mm-hmm. life or that it comes from a place of struggle, you know? Well, he also uses, he uses allegories and analogies in his nonfiction, especially talking about these broad theological concepts, mm-hmm. but like Jesus, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> But they're very personal 
uh, analogies that he's making. He's not going, God is like a stop sign and we're the cars. No. It's like, that's unpersonal. We don't understand what yeah. that means. Which it's, some people do. Right, yeah. <laughs> some people do that. I mean, I mean, especially in his fiction, you know, God is this lion that is wild and crazy and and untame and is also tender and merciful and generous. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's a more person. And there's a human character behind this lion figure in Narnia where it's like you're actually, you can you can understand that. And you can understand the various children's reaction, you know, kind of all the kids have varying reactions to Aslan. Yeah. And you can understand a little bit of each one. And, you know, someone might really connect to, you know, I was talking to Marge and she really loves all the, the books with Eustace and Polly mm-hmm. almost more than the ones with like the Pevensey kids. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. Again, it's just that like, that's how, how God will speak to us and in different even, ways. Yeah. Even for like the screw tape letters. Right. We don't really know anything about that. Like it's very fiction. Sure, it's very yeah. like, he kind of created a story, but he, he reveals to, mm. some really, he reveals some intellectual and heavily researched Right. thought through yeah. that fiction it's not just an exploration it's kind of i mean it is an exploration but it's also he's trying to get a point across right which i just think is that's a great way to write he's not manipulating you but he's just kind of putting into your putting into perspective what this truly would mean right. to him right. in like a creative way and i just think that is really and, nice to talk to like, and yeah he's not he's not in his fiction or non-fiction he's not writing doctrine right mm-hmm. he's not writing theology in the way we typically think of it but he's very much engaging with exactly what you were saying a minute ago, that it's like beautiful balance between love and reason of uh, here are these infinite mysteries that I want to ponder, that yeah. I want to understand, I want to grapple with. And also here are the like beautiful emotional reactions I have to just living my life. That's why I also like Peter Kraft books mm-hmm. because he takes Socrates and sometimes it's like other people of that era. Sometimes it's like Socrates and Plato or so- and Aristotle mm-hmm. like discussing these things and obviously it's not real it's sure, Pe- peter's yeah. interpretation of what they would be mm-hmm. based on their existing philosophies yeah. that we have he hasn't and it's not like and it's i don't know i think that's a brilliant way to kind of discuss yeah and maybe maybe it's just my mind needs a story like i just i like story i like that creative side of things i like being right. put into people's shoes and i can't do that through just here's a thought line 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 maybe just like pure theology i can't right. it's hard for me to do right and not that I don't think it's important to have. Sure, yeah. But I just, I like those types of things. Yeah. I've definitely noticed that it's like I listen to a lot of audiobooks and there with like fiction, I can just like, I've been listening to Lord of the Rings recently and it's mm-hmm. been like, that's basically all I've listened to for the past like two weeks and I'm just binging it and it's so great and it's so much fun. took you two weeks already? What? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Do you read The Hobbit first and then The Lord of the Rings or do those I read The Hobbit works? last fall sometime and then oh. I just started it. So yeah, I guess. Or it's been like a year. I don't remember. The Ho- I read The Hobbit in the past two years or something like that. Um, but uh, fiction—it's way easier for me to listen to it and listen to it a lot and and really kind of just binge it. Mm-hmm. Whereas nonfiction, because and pi- mainly because just like the type of nonfiction is more theology and philosophy and stuff causes me to really think about it and really like right. take it apart and put it kind of rephrase it put it into my own words kind of like elaborate on it in my own vocabulary so it's a lot of like if i am gonna listen to it it's a lot easier for me to just like actually have the book and sit down and read it mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know i just like that is interesting because I've, I've thought that too before where it's like i i know i like um i hear a snippet or I find a, a quotation from Lewis and it was nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's so good. That's brilliant. I love that. And I try and read the whole book or I try and listen to the whole book. 
and I'm and it's just like it doesn't engage me in the same way that his fiction mm. does. And I'm like, why is that? And I think it's just there are, there are, and that's part of I think why screw type letters or the Great Divorce are so good is because they are exploring these theological ideas, but through a fictional lens. Mm. But it could, you know, a lot of the Great Divorce could more or less just be a Socratic dialogue on sure. the purgatorial state, on sin, on salvation, mm-hmm. right? Um, or same with screw tape letters, right? Sure. It can more, you could just translate it slightly and it could just be a nonfiction discussion. Yeah, anyway, I don't know if I had anything else to say. That's cool. That's interesting. I think we've both been on a, well, you've been on it for a while, just like a reading kick. Mm. But every day you get like a new book delivered yeah. or something. And it was just your birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Aiden's 23. I'm very old. And... Um, you got like some books for your birthday too. I did. From me. You got yeah. me some books. <laughs> That's what you were trying to say. <laughs> no, but then I've also been reading recently more too. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it is such a fun thing to do. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think because my school schooling was based primarily reading like classic right. books and talking those through and whatever that <sighs> for a while, I think I kind of was like, okay, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Not because I didn't like it, but just because it was a lot. Right, yeah. And so I think I like stepped away, but I'm kind of realizing, oh, I kind mm, of miss yeah. reading and things like that. Even just like fiction or whatever. Yeah. Like right now I'm reading a book called Catherine. Mm-hmm. It's about this girl who grows up in a convent. Her sister lives at the queen's castle, mm-hmm. I guess. King and queen. And, they, and when she turns 15, she goes back to live with them and kind of... Uh, figures out what it means to be like a lady in waiting there mm-hmm. and like the knights and all this stuff. And it's just very easy read. It's not, sure. I'm not learning anything. Like, there's sure, nothing. Sure, sure. <laughs> it's not like this is super intellectual, in depth research no. that you're doing. But there is something uh, yeah. about, we've talked about this before and like escapism and stuff. And I don't agree with, I don't want to live my life trying to escape everything about my reality. Right. But, yeah. Being taken to another place where you feel, again, I think this comes from, um, I, I think most people are like this, but this is my experience is you read about this character, you feel like you're the character. Sure, yeah, yeah. And there's something so fun and freeing about that. And you read it and you're like, oh, now I'm in a castle and mm, this is what sure. I'm learning. And, and it actually, maybe it does help you because you're like, wow, maybe mm. I guess I can do that in a situation like... If a knight ever proposes, I'll know what to do. Right, no, yeah. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess I don't think there's anything wrong with well, I think there's a, that. I think there's a difference between escapism and maybe it's just that word. Yeah, just it, to me has this really weird connotation. And and I think we have talked about this at one point in the past. Yeah. But well, if your whole life's goal is to try to escape the reality, well, and you're I in, think that's even, like a really sad, unfortunate. And I would say even for like a given moment that is sad and you shouldn't do that but i think there's a difference between escaping uh, using something as escapism and just like yeah i'm reading lord of the rings for me personally it's impossible to not be completely absorbed and engaged yeah, you're with enriching the characters. your life yes exactly through that's that's someone mean. else's yeah. works yeah it's awesome and i guess that's what we hope to that's what musicians hope to do too you're not trying to help other people escape from the reality that they're living in but you're hoping that they'll zone out in a way to everything except for what they're listening sure enrich, yeah like mm-hmm. what it's happening. And well, it's actually probably living in the most present that you are, like that you can live because that's the only yeah, thing you're thinking yeah. of. I think it's the difference between like iconography and idolatry of like how, I think we've talked about this in the past, where like the point of an common icon. Topic. What? <laughs> yeah, common topic. Well, I just think we have, well, I think it was back when we were talking about okay. Harmon or something like that, um, about Christian art. I think the point of an icon, the point of seeing 
across is to point you to something higher than just we're not mm-hmm. just looking at this piece of wood right, right. we're looking at that what is what is this a symbol of yeah. what is the reality that exists around us that this is signifying um whereas an idol is merely just the piece of wood mm-hmm. right and i would say escapism is that is the kind of the idol of it is just i'm gonna settle for this thing itself and then like or letting it enrich your life, letting it point you to something more beautiful, more mm. more important, more empowering than the thing itself. And I would say that's what Lord of the Rings does. It's mm. not, you know, it's one of those, yes, it's about elves and men and dwarves and this epic mythology and all that. Ultimately, though, it's about the, you know, every everything we should, we shouldn't, we shouldn't tame evil. You know, that's the whole thing about Lord of the Rings is it's not, it's not whoever has the ring is, is in control, is in power. It's whoever has the ring is in danger of falling into evil, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and evil itself is, is powerful and, and is, you know, I'm, I don't have to exp- go down a long rabbit, tro- rabbit. <sighs> what was that? That's the go-to when I'm trying to be not stressed. If you had the opportunity to, Okay. <laughs> Sounds okay. like that interview. If you, if you, in the palm of your hands, would you? I probably, probably would. would. <laughs> Anyways, if your landlord was like, "This is totally fine. We have a potbelly pig. Can you take him and take care of him?" Would you say yes? Excuse me. <laughs> what? You know those potbelly pill- potbelly pigs? No, that stop. Be- I'm not questioning about the potbelly pig. What? How did we get here? <laughs> it came into my head. Okay. <coughs> So sometimes wait. people keep them in their house and they like litter train them or whatever, and it's like a little pig running around. Sure. And our, I'm just bringing up the landlord thing so that you don't think about, oh, would our landlords allow it? Yes, they would. Would you want it? Would that be cool? If someone was like, please take this off my hands, would you if, say yes? If we're doing it as a favor for a finite amount of time? No, you. it's your it's your. Or it's now. like, will you please take this for the rest of its remaining your life? If there was nothing to worry about, like everything was set up, everything was good to go, okay. would you want one? In this scenario, do I have a butcher friend? <laughs> no, that is no. The, no, it's a pet. You don't. Then eat I it. will Google butcher near me. You don't eat the potbelly pigs. They're for pets. I know. What I'm saying is, can I butcher the pig? No, it has to be a pet. I'm just asking. Without not, you don't. You're no, not excited. I don't about think that. I would ever want a potbelly pig as what a pet. What pets would you be? Okay Unless with? I were like actually out on a farm and I had a whole a whole swine of pigs. Okay. Is that what you call a group of pigs? I don't a know, whole a flock. gangle of swine. <laughs> I think that's what it is. I don't wake up things that you sound dumb on the It's a gangle of geese. Is that what it is, I think? A murder of crows. A murder of crows. Uh, a, what is that? A council of weasel? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, council it's something. Of weasel? No, it's like a ferret, I think, maybe. It's not a council, but it's something like that. An elder of weasels? What's a group of, guy, of guys called? Uh, council of men? I think of a, a, a chat of dogs, maybe, something like that. <laughs> Uh, I think it might be the Council of Homies, actually. <laughs> if I really had to, if I, you know. That's really funny. Would you take a potbelly pig as a pet? Yeah. Really? But I would be on the farm, and I would. Right, that's it would I, still be inside, and it still would never kill it. But really? it would at least have its like a farm-like feel. Not just I wouldn't just want one in the city. I don't think. Right. Wow. You know, um, what movie is it? It's um. Charlotte's Web. Babe. It's an old movie. This isn't about pigs anymore. This is 
Oh. What's well, the Christmas movie I showed you? And it's that girl who pretends who's like a writer. Christmas in Vermont. Uh, Christmas in Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a door, like a window, a door where you know they split in half and mm-hmm. it opens, and the cow will like can be in the kitchen with you. Remember? Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. Yeah. I would love that. Would you actually want that though? Yeah. Really, you'd want part of the kitchen to smell like cow. Well, I don't have to smell like it. How do How do you avoid that? <laughs> Stay up, upwind. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Only open the door when the wind's blowing okay. away. I don't know. All right. Okay, probably not. I'm sorry. I don't mean to ruin your, all your dreams. I just mean to ruin some of your dreams. I've always wanted a donkey. Didn't you? What was the thing? You had a, something. Was the donkey named Penelope or was your goat named Penelope? I think it was the goat. Okay. I wanted a donkey named Lucky for a long time. Lucky. Like the Jason Mraz song? Like the Irish... Thing. Just the Irish. <laughs> the luck of them. Because, mm-hmm. you know, donkeys are Irish. <laughs> right. We all know. We all know the ancient Irish fable. No, but I did want to grow potatoes and like have a little cart for him and I could harvest them. Into what them. was it that Hannah said yesterday? You were peeling potatoes and Hannah was like, something about being a potato farmer. And I was like, is that an Irish joke? <laughs> but she had a cousin who like actually is potato a farms. potato farmer. I know, farm or right? Something like that. Yeah. I found it interesting. Did you know that in like ancient Celtic irish uh mythology imagery or not mythology like imagery paintings uh stuff the holy spirit is often represented as a goose really yeah i had no idea and i i heard i was hearing someone talking about this and they gave a couple explanations as to why that might be but i was thinking i wonder if it's like you know silly goose what a silly goose you are silly comes from a similar root word i believe as spirited and spirit you know the holy spirit so it's like a spirited spirit Right, so it's like, a, yeah, it's like, oh, what a silly goose. We think of, like, what's the silliest animal? A goose is pretty silly. So it's like, what's the most spirited animal? A, a, a goose. So like maybe a goose is a representation of the Holy Spirit. I don't think they literally were sitting down and being like, what should we use to yeah. represent the Holy Spirit? I think it's probably more organic, just like it happened. But one of the things was, like, geese. One, you know, in a lot of, like, Western imagery, a dove is often represented to represent the Holy Spirit. Yeah. A dove is often used to represent the Holy Spirit. Please, yeah. if you would, if you would. Please excuse me. I, I do. I my, excuse my you. My misspeakage. Um, <laughs> and they were talking this uh, Matt Whitman. Do you know Matt Whitman? I he's cool. Everyone Matt should. Whitman. The poet? Yeah. yeah, he's not the same. Okay. Matt Whitman's a YouTuber. Um, he's a Protestant and he visits various, you know, Catholic or Orthodox or Lutheran or Coptic or whatever, various churches and just kind of tours the churches, talks about some of the theology, their imagery, whatever it is. And it's really cool. He's a cool guy. Um, but I think this was a Catholic church, I believe, in Chicago. Yeah, I believe. And it's called, like, St. Patrick's Church or something like that. And it's a lot of, like, all, like Irish <coughs> Irish mythology, Irish iconography. Um, and they're talking about that, and they were saying, like, you know, how often do you see a dove? You don't really, in, in your common life, most people. Whereas a lot of people, like, geese are kind of all around the world. Mm. So a lot of people see geese. Um, also the whole idea of, like, they are always, like, unified, flying in a V, and that's, like, one... Yeah. If one breaks off, two more go with it to help it, like, you know, not yeah. get all tired against the wind and all that. I just thought it was cool. I've always thought of geese, and I think of Canadian geese, which mm-hmm. was where there were millions growing up in mm-hmm. Rochester, and they were often kind of making a mess everywhere, kind mm-hmm. of rude. So I don't think of them as a nice... I animal. never had I a problem never. with geese. All of a sudden, the meme is all about, and everyone well, You lived in geese. the country. You didn't live in town. But I was in town a ton. That's true. 
they just kind of seem rude. They hiss at you. Have you seen? Have you? If anyone yes, knows, they hiss. They hiss. Yeah. They, they don't look at you. Ni- like there's nothing very. But you like cats. I never said that. But do you like cats? Live? Sometimes they come to you and purr and like, you know. Yeah, but they also hiss at you. And but geese never do. They always hiss at me. I think geese will, will. You could probably get a goose to be friendly. You could probably have the same odds of getting a goose to be friendly. I'm just dying. Talking from experience, I don't find them very. Oh, the Holy Spirit goose. I just think it's interesting. That's all. Mm, sure. But when you say when you said it the first time, I think of like the the farm goose, the big white. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's cool. Yeah. Or like swan or something. Mm-hmm. You, do you know what happened to the goose that laid the golden egg? Yeah. Who's afraid of the big bad wolf? Did you ever know that you're my hero? What are you quoting? Various things. Oh, well, it's really out of context. Anyway. Okay. Do you like Bette Midler? I don't know. Hold, hold still for just one second, if you don't mind. All right, let me, let me, let me know what you think about this. That's a cover of the Andrews Sisters. It's fine. So that's that. Oh, wait. Here's here's a song I was quoting just a minute ago. Guess what year this is from, if you don't mind. Like, you don't, don't even wait till the singing. What year do you think this is from? The 80s? Yeah, but what year? I said the 80s. 88? Yeah! Well, I, thought you, you, <laughs> I thought you go. Did I actually mouth? Oh, sorry. I think you're just smiling, but I, I was like, eight. It is 88. I thought the verse was shorter. Anyway, it's a good song. It's a fine song. I'll rephrase it. Yeah. I think I've been listening. I've. Blah, blah, blah. You got it. In the past year, I've been introduced to more eras of music. I mm. think for a while I knew like the old, like the, the 30s and 40s, I guess. Jazz stuff. Yeah. 20s and 30s. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I zoned out for just one second. Yeah, no, that's okay. Like the 30s era of Mm -hmm. jazz. And then I knew 2000s. And then up till now. Yeah. Because basically, 70 years. So I was like, I don't know. But I feel like more recently I've heard like 50s do up to up stuff or whatever. 70, like 70s -hmm. rock and like alternative type Mm -hmm. sounds. And then obviously like 80s and a lot Mm -hmm. more 80s pop at my work. That's like a very played thing. And then we've also listened to, like, 90s hits and stuff. Uh-huh. So I think yeah. it's been kind of fun. I would encourage, like, it's just interesting to see how 10 years and then all of a sudden it feels like yeah. it's all of a sudden. Obviously, it wasn't, but, mm-hmm. well, maybe it was. I don't know. But there's just such a big switch. Well, and it's just cool yeah. to see. Especially, yeah. I feel like especially 
50s, 60s, 70s, or just all that, Twenty, even from the 20s. Very different. I think from 2000s like to now. Each decade has a different tone yeah. to it, kind of. 2000s yeah. to now, even then, like Britney Spears in sync and all that where it's like 2000 stuff right you're talking like 2000 to 2010 that era yeah and then like the 2000 that was different than it is yeah. now mm-hmm. too so sure. it's just it's kind of well weird. yeah and i think the world went on like a global drought of good music for like 15 years <laughs> and then well we were listening we to the pop people. stuff of, i mean i'm they're I'm sure, hmm. <laughs> sure? there's a lot of no i can't i feel when did like boy bands start becoming a thing the beatles I guess. Um. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't quite I feel like the, the same. The 2000s. Well, that's yeah. like when you get. It's, it is. It is interesting. We had like the Beatles. Boys. Then you had like Herman's Hermits. You had the Monkeys. You had a bunch of like, okay, hey, we yeah. can capitalize off of this in like the 60s, early well, 70s era. There were like era. the Monkeys, and then there were also. I feel like there's a lot of bands <laughs> that were named after animals. There were. I don't think they were all like the same type of like. Oh. Let's get four cute guys in suits or whatever. Because, but then yeah, <laughs> they kind of dropped out, and that wasn't really a fashion. Even the Beatles didn't pursue that for that long compare you know over the course mm-hmm. of the whole thing but then but they went away but then yeah they kind of came back and like the were 90s. the monkeys and all that were they like matching and only singing or were they playing instruments and things the monkeys were a fake band okay yeah yeah because they had a tv show too actually they were created for the tv show oh right yeah okay. and then they created and then yeah it was interesting that one of the guys the entire time was like this is just a, we're just actors playing a part yeah. right? that's the whole thing and i think it was at least at least one of the other members thought it's like no we're actual musicians like this is the band and oh, we're going no. on tour for this and he was like we're not though <laughs> we didn't write any of this we didn't record any of it oh, we showed God. up and they gave us music and we sang it and then we filmed a bunch of stuff wow anyway but but then i just wonder when did like choreography and stuff become part of performing sure, where it wasn't yeah. just you playing an instrument like even the beatles played their instruments and stuff right? yeah where mm-hmm. then you got i don't know well, like even One Direction or sure. something like that, where they they don't play the instruments; they're just singing. Right. Like it's a boy band specifically mm-hmm. for and they them do to their dancing. Run around on stage. And they, yeah. Or yeah, and even just now, just pop in general has humongous choreography and mm-hmm. dancers, and you're walking this way and this way, and mm-hmm. it's so it's just I just wonder what started that. Do you think we should ever get dancers? Yeah. Really? <laughs> no. Okay. I, I mean, I'm not opposed to any creative thing that will enhance the show but just for the sake of everyone else is having dancers having so let's have a dance happening no. sure yeah. but if it's like oh they bring an interpretive thing or maybe we have a ballroom dancer doing their thing while we're singing this song <laughs> i don't know sure well like half alive has two you know how cloud cult has two full-time members that mm-hmm. just paint on stage mm-hmm. and that's cool because it's like a unique thing for each show like yeah. they will interpret the set yeah, differently awesome. and a visual component uh, Half Alive has two full-time band members that just do dance. But it's like really like that very, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, it's a lot of that like hand, almost sign language oh, yeah. kind of interpretive dance without being super, <laughs> super like sway or whatever. Yeah. It's pretty cool. There's some cool, their, uh, their uh, music video for Half Alive is like the main, it's cool. It's like all five of them, the main like core band in mm-hmm. there. But only two of them are playing instruments. One of them is singing, and then the other two are dancing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I that's think like that's really cool. cool. That's like an yeah. expression, and that's how you mm-hmm. are creative. I think. Yeah. Cool, but I guess I just I wouldn't hire just twenty people to, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. What is a band that you would love to see live in your lifetime? Like. You think their show is just going to be amazing? Um, I've already seen the Oh Hellos, but it was a Christmas tour. I would love to see like the full band 
performing like all of through the mm-hmm. Deepak Valley or Deer Wormwood or, or the, I mean, honestly, their whole discography. Yeah. So probably the Oh Hellos, even though I have seen them, it was a Christmas show and it was more, it was a specific type of thing. And it was really cool. It was great. But the the auditorium, it all had seats. And I think if we would have been standing, it would like the energy would have been way more exciting. Yeah. And I think they would, anyway. Um, I think them. I'd love to see like Joshua Lee Turner with a full band performing some of his solo original stuff. Mm-hmm. I've seen him with both the other favorites and the bygones. And those are all, it was super fun, but I would love to see his solo stuff with like a full band. Yeah. What about you? I would love to see Adele mm. hear her voice in person. I don't like listen to her that much anymore. And I think some of her stuff, I don't listen to her album. If I listen to a song, it's like one at a time because it's just kind of overpowering. Sure. But I just want to know what, it's such a, it's such a powerful and controlled voice. I just want to yeah. hear what that sounds like in person. Yeah. And then, um, it's always the people that I'm listening to at the moment. Like, you know, you just want to hear recently, I think I said this last time, Patrick Droney. I think I mm-hmm. said last podcast I've been listening to. And his yeah. voice is just really captivating to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I've been listen- listening to more live uh, stuff and his guitar playing is really cool too. But that's more, of, I don't know, that's not like if I never, like that would just be one that I would like sure. to see. But I'm yeah. trying to think of like big um, influences well, that I would want to see. There's a lot where it's like they're still touring. I would like, I, I think I would have the chance to see them in the next couple of years, a bunch of them. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking like, who are the really, like Josh Turner hasn't toured solo really. Yeah. So it's like, if I, yeah, if it's that cool would just that happen. I'm not saying that you should change it, but it, to me, that's like not thinking super, those are people that are conceivably you could see for sure. Right. I'm saying like, I think Adele is more conceivable that we could see her live. Just because she's touring and she's oh. going to be around forever. Joshua Lee Turner is part of two other bands aside from his solo project. I'm saying like, I've seen both those other bands. I would love to see his solo stuff with a full band because he hasn't done I that see. yet. Or the Oh Hellos. I haven't seen them and they haven't been on tour in like four years or something like that. I see. Um, so yeah, I was I was kind of like, who who are the smaller bands who maybe don't have the same trajectory as a lot okay. of these bigger bands? Like I think I'll probably see Lawrence at some point. I would like to see Lawrence. I'm sure they're a ton of fun. I probably will see them. Oh, okay. But you know, I'm thinking like, who are the ones? I'm seeing them soon. Yeah, you're seeing them in like a month or something, right? Mm-hmm. That's fun. Are you stoked? Yeah. Very fun. Do you think they're gonna play their good music or or what? I don't know. Should, should we tell them beforehand, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I'm really pumped. They're such an energetic group. Mm-hmm. It's been fun. They have a little docuseries on YouTube. Did we talk about this last time? I don't, I don't think know. so. But, yeah, that's... And it's just in, like it's just interesting to see the ins and outs of everything. Yeah. Their band members are basically their team. Like I think we did talk about a little bit about this, but yeah. So, the saxophone doubles as like a booking agent or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And I think people don't do that very much. Right. They don't sign to label. They're just, it's really interesting to hear the independent band story because they don't sign to labels and different things mm-hmm. because of issues and how mm-hmm. much money they get is really not a lot right. compared to what the industry itself. It's kind of part of me watches it and I'm like, oh, this is so discouraging. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I see how broken the industry in like the inner working sure, is. Yeah. That it, it's like they're so good at their, mm, what they're doing yeah. and they're barely able to do it. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We have a long journey ahead of us. Oh yeah, for sure. But everyone does it differently, and it's doable. And we're and everyone has a different story about like right. 
whatever. So, yeah. But to see some insight of these, some you know, somewhat normal, regular people. Mm, yeah. And what they're doing is inspiring to me. So it was a very smart move of them to make the the series. Yeah, it's cool. It's interesting for sure. I'd love to do that someday. That'd be fun. Me a little bandy band. If anyone wants to be part of a band. Yeah, if you're especially if you're a good musician and fun to hang out with. And in Nashville-ish area would be. Those are the three prerequisites for joining Open (laughs) Entertainment. That's not a guarantee that you will be in the band, but the three prerequisites are in the Nashville area, a good musician, and fun to hang out with. So. We've been writing more recently, two we new have. songs. It's been weird. It's been really fun and so different. It has. We've we because we've been high the whole time. Yeah, that'll do something. It will. We've I never. Wanna, would you, we've been drunk before. While writing. No, I can't. <laughs> so, um, we've been writing on like electric instruments, so like mm-hmm. electric guitar and electric bass. Just gives a different thing. Mm-hmm. We've also both individually, I think, listened to different artists more recently mm-hmm. that are just newer. Than when we you know, were writing last right. year or more, mm-hmm. um, and had new experiences, have you know, mm-hmm. learned a lot. I think in our music theory, it's fun to see when we haven't written for a while together, and then we come back, and we're like, oh, this is this part is actually easier to figure out, and we're faster because mm-hmm. yeah. we've been learning more about how the keys and chords behave and mm-hmm. how to create the sounds that we want. So. Mm-hmm. That's just a little insight, I guess, on that. It's, it's encouraging. It is. That's fun. That's cool. Do you think we'll have any new music by the end of the year? Out? Out? It's not in our three-month plan. It's not currently. <laughs> <laughs> but there are some singles that I think would be really fun. Right. But, I think oh, next you year just, we'll probably be yeah. releasing some new music. I'm excited. I think next year is going to be the year of the singles or like an EP mm-hmm. or something. Why so why do you think releasing five singles is better than releasing an EP? Because it's like it's we're releasing fun. something. We're releasing something. Sure. It's you, not just one big hoorah. It's five hoorah. Many so hoorahs. we can build up hype extensively yes. like throughout kind of perpetually. Mm-hmm. <coughs> All right. My weather is, is deepening. It's down, down. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's okay. I forgive you. I know it's not your fault personally. It's just it was a professional decision that had to be made, and I understand. So. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Cool beans. Well, folks, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Listen to good music and read some good books. Liv and I have been having fun reading a bunch of new stuff and rereading some old stuff. It's a really good time. We will see you all next week for a brand new episode of... Between Takes.